It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, no, we're quite a ways in now. Uh, really like the bond the team has. It's fun being around these guys. Um, haven't had camp letdowns like I've seen before. The guys show up to work every day. Uh, I think they're hungry and um, we, we're cleaning stuff up little by little. We've got a scrimmage tomorrow. We're going to kind of decide the format of that. Uh, and then we get a day off and we're pretty much turning our attention to game one. So uh, a lot of decisions will be made probably after tomorrow. Um, we'll have a pretty good idea. Depth chart, not sure when we'll release it. Uh, but we'll have a pretty good idea after tomorrow. And uh, then it's about getting a team ready to fly overseas and play. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Dave Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. We got sip here tonight. That's all I got to say. <laughs> also with Boomer. Well, I'm just here to see if uh, Redcast Rob fanboys out as hard as he did last week uh, for Steve Sippel this week and maybe see what the fast casual restaurants they decided to dive into deep conversations on. <laughs> I, I listened to that Aaron Sorensen interview, all two hours of it, and I don't think it's possible to fanboy out more than what Rob did last week. I am with Redcast Rob. <laughs> oh, I'd like to welcome everybody to this week's edition of This Week in Funko Pops. Today we'll be looking at Thanos as Punisher. Rob, I'm just going to let you know, I'm here on this show tonight, and I'm going to stop all of that conversation, because we do have a very important guest, and I'll let Redcast Honky introduce uh, Stephen M. Sipple for us. Well, yeah, we welcome back to the to the Redcast, Stephen Sipple, now of On3 Sports. Uh, how are you doing, Sip? Uh, really pleased to be with you guys. Um, I know you guys talk about this stuff at a pretty high level, so I'm always a little intimidated, but uh, I'll do my <laughs> I'll do my best here. Well, you know, Rob doesn't talk about it too high of a level, and and Mac is is right here too. He'll be here in a few minutes, so uh, he's going to run in here. Where's Mac? Where is he? He's on his way down here. Right, I live all the way down in Roca, so you know it's a long drive from Lincoln. Oh yeah, you're down there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Southern. but before we get yeah, before we get going though, um, let's talk about some of our upcoming episodes uh, and uh, also our sponsors. Uh, we went nuts with the fan forum here. So we have three of them coming up. Dave from Husk Guys is on Wednesday night, August 17th at 8 p.m., followed by Dr. Rob Zazka, Doc Talk Sports. He'll be here on uh, Thursday, August 18th at 8 p.m. this week. And then a week from tonight, Ravi Mahapatra, Lincoln East assist, assistant football coach, and he grew up next door neighbors with uh, Dr. Tom. So he'll also be joining us on the fan forum. Uh, that's uh, next week. Uh, as always, the hillvarsity.com slash subscribe. Use Redcast and you'll get $10 off your promo, uh, the promo code, uh, $10 off your annual subscription there. And Alumni Hall, two Lincoln locations, downtown on P Street and South Point Pavilions, uh, right behind Barnes & Noble. And Rob, I don't, I got my my Adidas 
polo and I got my Adidas hat in this the mail. This is actually the official sideline collection. And uh, tonight, Honky and I are doing our best rendition of Tweedledee and Tweedledum. So we are Ooh. we are officially twinsies, I guess, tonight. Yeah. Um, so thank uh, thank you there, uh, Alumni Hall. But uh, yeah, two locations. Find them online also. Uh, next up is FSC Edge. Uh, are you looking to make a career change, Redcasters? And FSC Edge is the place for you. Check out their available jobs today at jobs at fsc.com. And last but not least, Smack and Smooch custom shirts and specialty items. Specialty items. Uh, find them at Smack and Smooch on Facebook and Twitter. You can use the QR code there. Shane and Laura out there in Elwood, they'd love to hear from you. And uh, a lot of times I'm wearing their shirts or we have the koozies here, the Go Big Redcast koozies. They make all kinds of great things. Uh, so anyways, uh, back to our guest here. And, and Sip, we got to do this every time you're on. I've got to do the, the intro. So. Mm-hmm. Today we have a smooth conversation with a cool cat. So find a mixologist to pour you something full of chemistry, because it's time to take a hip sip with Stephen Sipple. All right, so Sip, uh, you've had some changes in your life since the last time we spoke. You are now part of the On3 sports community. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. How's that going for you? On3, yeah. Um, started there... June one. And it's really guys pretty similar to what I did. Um, except I'll I'll probably just be doing more football. Um, it's kind of one of the, one of the things I wanted to do is, um, just, I just really would like to cover football. It's kind of always liked that the journal star, but when you're the columnist at the sports columnist at journal star, you gotta, you know, you gotta delve into some other things. Um, but at this stage of my life, I just mostly want to stick to football. I will say this though: it's really hard to leave the Journal Star. I don't. Mm-hmm. I always want to make that clear to people. Um, Thirty-three years. <laughs> it was, you know, I don't. I probably don't take a lot of aspects of life as seriously as I should, and I didn't realize how hard it would be to extricate myself. Um, but it was a. It, it, they made it hard. It was hard. And, uh, but I'm glad to be with on three. It's going well. Uh, and you know what? We're, we're, you know, we're heading into it now. We're getting ready to go to Dublin. I'm getting ready to go to Dublin on Monday. So it feels, it all feels pretty urgent right now. <laughs> yeah. The last we- time, last time you were on, you said every day has to feel like a fourth down over there. <laughs> That's urgency, right? Oh yeah. I forgot about that, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you want. And I don't think it felt like that enough. You know what? We contributed to that. I think us collectively as a media core and a fan base. Um, I mean, one must, one thing we probably won't do again is give a guy a, you know, seven year deal and say you got as long a runway as you need. Um, I don't think that's a good way to do it. And I think we found out the hard way. Mm-hmm. Dave, you were going to say something there or. Oh, I just wanted to jump on the whole Ireland trip. I'm excited. I've been listening to all your uh, your radio show and whatnot. Sounds like this will be your first time over in Europe. You got to be excited. And trust me, Ireland does not look like Gretna. 
<laughs> yeah, I keep having this nightmare of getting over there and like, driving through Papillion. Um, <laughs> well, there will be a few things you'll notice. You're like, oh, that's not that different. They still have like they have gas stations, you know, and, yeah, and various yeah. things, but it, it will be very different. But I think yeah, thank you. I, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't been to Europe. The only places I've been overseas are all the bar. A lot of the strangely yeah. enough, my wife made a kind of a Caribbean tour through the years. And so we've been to a lot of those islands, but not I've never been to Europe. You know, you know, Steve, it's funny. I always try to like figure out who you remind me of. And I, you know, I work in um, for a newspaper to doing the advertising and marketing stuff. And you actually remind me a lot of this guy. Um, Sam Mastari, he's been mm -hmm. co he covered sports here locally forever, and it, it's cool always to just kind of hear your passion about that from the newspaper side about how you know how you actually miss it stuff too because we used to just sit around and have some of the coolest coolest stories of Colorado sports in general sitting around with Sam and so it, I, I was forever I was trying to remember who you reminded me of and then tonight it just kind of clicked when you were talking about leaving the Journal Star so I'm stoked Sam. to have you. On. Sam Mastari, is yeah. that how you pronounce it? Yes. What did he cover? Everything. And his son was the first uh, three-time. The Greeley Tribune. Is that right, Rob? It was at the Greeley Tribune, yeah. And, uh, is that and, right? Uh, the mega it, paper that is the Greeley Tribune. Yes, that's right. Uh, sure. Now owned by Prairie Mountain Media, the same people that own the Post. But his son was the first three-time rest state wrestling champion uh, okay. in Colorado. Well, let's so. refocus anyway, on the football, let's Rob. Go ahead, guys. Well, speaking of media and media access, the, we always start with Tweets of the Week, and this was a good one from a few weeks ago that you had. And I, I only want to highlight on the third uh, bullet point here that you had, which was slap me hard if I complain about media access to Husker football. Um, you weren't the only media member to make take that stance, but I appreciate it. I read you know, your article the next day, and you were like, Basically, you looked at it as we already had, you know, as much access as anyone, you know, as any place gives to their to their uh, coaches. And, you know, as long as you can continue to have access to the head coach and to the uh, to the coordinators, that was your big deal. And have you noticed anything up to this point? Has it been much different in terms of your coverage and ability to to, to cover the, the team so far? No, Matt, it hasn't. Um, and I and I did mean that I, we, we get incredible access compared to, mm -hmm. you know, I've been doing it long enough 25 plus years that i've you know it's a lot of anecdotal evidence through the years but there's there's usually there's well you often through the years writers mouths would be agape when i told them what we got like they're, they're like you're kidding you know you get that um so so it always is startling to me when i hear people complain about it like are you really i mean mm -hmm. we get we get actually a ton of access and it's been good. It, it, it was good this month. Now it changed. And, that, and that, that was in reference, that tweet was in reference to the fact that this season, we don't get the position assistance. Um, mm -hmm. We will just get the coordinators. So Eric Chenander and Mark Whipple, and I believe Bill Bush will be available during the season. Small change in my mind. There was oftentimes, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you would need a position assistant during the season. Not all the time. And I just I just thought, and this was, I know this, I don't mind saying it on, on the podcast now. I didn't know it exactly at the time that, that we were going through this sort of rigmarole. Um, but it, it's this was Frost's decision, not Trev's. Um, and I don't know why he made it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's just because he doesn't need his assistance in the position of having to uh, 
address big picture program questions um, during what could be a very kind of tension filled season. Sure, sure. I mean, it helps him streamline some of the messaging. Yeah. Uh, to, to, clarify, to clarify, Sip, though, I think this is important for the listeners. Um, to your point, in, in previous seasons, I've been thinking about this when this whole thing came out, and I'm like, mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, you'd only get like one or two of the assistants like each week or something like that. So like right. you might talk to the wide receivers coach two or three times a, a season, maybe at max, right? Because you're kind of rotating right. through, right? So it's not a yeah. huge difference. Yeah. No. And I don't like, I don't want to always be the, <laughs> I recognize my reputation as sort of being the apologist. I don't think of myself as an apologist. I think of myself maybe as a little too casual. Um, and I just always thought, yeah, just like you characterize it, you might get the quarterbacks coached three times a season. And there was a couple of times where I wouldn't even, I didn't even bother. I mean, it, uh, there's other things I had to do. So it doesn't, it's not always that all that productive. Um, so I'm fine. The bottom line is I'm good with having coordinator access every week, having head coach access every week and having player access every week. That's, that's enough. And that's, uh, I mean, you always want as much as you can, but I would not, like I said, I don't want to get in the habit of complaining about access. It's been incredible for 25 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. It looks like we have Mac joining the show. So Mac now things will really pick up. Mac is getting there. <laughs> hey, hey. Oh. I apologize, guys. Oh, yeah. I did the classic thing where I said I'd get gas when I got up instead of getting it on the way home like I should have. <laughs> Only Mac uh, on a uh, fan podcast could actually show up late to a, st- a sip of <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally understand, Mac, actually. Well, you know, Sip, one of the things uh, – I, I want to highlight one other tweet here of you, and I think this is a really good one here. And it, it was on Mickey Joseph. He's helping Nebraska's program if only by telling it like it is. Players need to practice through minor injuries. Every freshman who comes along isn't the greatest recruit ever to grace Memorial Stadium. Good messages from Mickey. Love it. That was from August 10th. Um, I love that message too. I mean, that is something that, uh, you know, look, I, I, I can be a very optimistic fan, and I am. And yet at the same token, I mean, there's a difference between just blind optimism and, and you know, Kool-Aid sucking that everything, everything is great. No, you don't go three and nine if some, if there aren't some things that need to be fixed. And, and, uh, and even when you hi- get some really good recruits and we've gotten some good recruits and I think we've made some good changes, but yet still um, people got to be held accountable and people make mistakes. They need to be told it. And, and I just, I appreciate the, the message of that. Uh, was there anything in your like specific that you were thinking about as you wrote that? Was there something that yeah. you said? Yeah, it was, there are two very specific instances, Matt. Um, that day he had talked about, and I don't, it's okay. <laughs> I always almost got to apologize for this. <laughs> Mickey addressed Omar Manning specifically. And, you know, he, he was asked a broad question. Mickey was and his availability about, have the receivers responded well since you were sort of critical of their performance as a group in a previous practice. And Mickey said, yeah, yeah, they've stepped up. And then he just went right to Omar and said, yeah, Omar Manning has practiced. He's now practiced twice in a row. And so, yeah, it was very, um, you know, right away, Jimmy Watkins of the world Herald. And I, and I, and I was like, what's that supposed to mean? You know, (laughs) and, He's, and Mickey just was very blunt. He said he's practiced two times in a row. And then 
few other questions were addressed and we had to go back to it because still it was like, what, what, what are we talking about here? Because I didn't really, I mean, I sort of knew like you guys would probably know, but you need to hear it. And he said he needs to, Omar needs to practice through Knicks. There's, mm-hmm. we're not going to, at the University of Nebraska, they're not going to send out, send out players who are hurt to practice, but you got to practice through bumps and bruises and they're trying to get Omar to do that more. So there's a, that, that was a, that's a good example, right? It's, mm-hmm. I think it's okay, especially with a player who's a senior, um, a grown man, 23 years old, you can say that. I mean, that's, that, that, I think that's in bounds. Um, and then the other part of the other part of it was Mickey was asked directly how the freshmen are progressing. And he said, they're not progressing particularly well. <laughs> uh, so so um, he said they're used to, you know, they, they've grown up where they're used to being the stars of the show and they don't understand necessarily that you got to play every single play. Now it's common. It's a common thing. You don't always hear coaches address it in that blunt of a manner, but um, he did. And it, and I thought it was refreshing. And I think this program needs a little bit of that. I've, I believe this program, um, and it's like a lot of programs, it does tend to exalt incoming freshmen to where I think there's a feeling sometimes among some of them that they've already kind of made it, you know, like mm-hmm. they, they haven't done a thing, but they already feel like, like they have. And, you know, our excitement, it's not, there's nothing negative necessarily about it. It's just that we're excited as a fan base, as a media core. And, but I think that can work against you a little bit. And I think that's what Mickey's was kind of alluding to. So, and it's not like Mickey's been the only coach to make these sorts of statements. He, um, Bo used to, I mean, Bo used to be very, very like kind of taken aback by the level of hyperbole that's, that's, um, that's sort of bestowed on these recruits. Um, I remember one recruiting class where he didn't even like mention the scholarships. He just like went straight to the walk-ons. That was like in February, <laughs> but you know, he, he, yeah, Bo wanted to make such a point of not talking about the, the Yeah, the he always thought it was sort of odd. Um, but anyway, that's, yeah, that's where that came mm-hmm. from. And you know, that tweet, there's a typo in there, by the way, um, which always concerns. I, I fired it out really fast. It just was one of those tweets. I don't do that very often where I just it sort of came to mind as I was contemplating what he said. And I like, I liked what Mickey has to say. Mickey's very hardcore. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's go into scarlet colored glasses here. Okay. And uh, we can talk about the uh, the state kind of of the program right now, this first part. And then we're going to end the second part talking specifically on a defense, do a defensive breakdown. Last week with, the, with Aaron Sorensen of Hale Varsity, we did the offensive side. But um, right now, I guess just in terms of timing, uh, yesterday was the last day of fall camp. Fall camp mm-hmm. is done. Today was mm-hmm. a day off. And then tomorrow, the Tuesday. The hay is in the barn. The hay is in the barn. Tomorrow, <laughs> Tuesday, whatever that is, August 16th, that is officially the start of Northwestern prep. Yep. And so um, I guess just take us through right now, kind of where are we at right now? August 15th, we're transitioning from, from camp to, to Northwestern. You know, wh- where's the team at kind of in your eyes? I'm sorry, the last part, where's where, where, where's the team at in your eyes right now from what you've seen and, and heard and talked to the coaches and all that, talk to the players. Well, Matt, it's, here's the deal. They had a good, I think they had a good camp and, if only that there were no major injuries. I mean, two frontline guys, Decoldus Crawford is, suffered an unfortunate injury, major knee injury, um, but no 
frontline players um, suffered major injuries, and they were very cognizant of that even yesterday. Um, I think they got out of camp in a pretty good place mentally and physically. Um, they, you know, they did that kind of interesting. I've never seen this where they went three days on and one off, three days on, one off, three, and they're going to continue that right into Ireland. Uh, maybe that helped. Um, the two scrimmages I thought were, and I didn't see them. I want to be very clear on that, but I talked to people who did, and they seemed like they were productive on both sides of the ball. Mm. I There's definitely guys that have emerged. I don't think there's been too many disappointments. Um, I mean, Tommy Hill's been a huge, I'd say a big story during camp. Mm-hmm. O'Shawn had a big scrimmage yesterday, a very sort of eye-opening scrimmage nice. where he where he was, um, you know, the, the, that type of player that you envision. I, I, I mean, I've never heard anybody say he's like Randy Gregory, but kind of trending, maybe trending toward that sort of player. Um, Steve, you any know, talk about the running back separation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, I talked to somebody about, I would say a source, uh, today about that when I was, uh, in fact, I was driving home to do this. Um, separation, I'd say Anthony Grant has separated to a degree. I mean, I think he'd be the, if they were to play today or tomorrow, he'd be the starter. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not a big separation, but that's definitely a development that, but you know what? I have the, I have the depth chart sitting right here, uh, when they came out of the pre, the pre camp depth chart. And he was number one on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure Frost would just love that I'm saying that, but the, <laughs> um, he, uh, let me look. Yeah, he was one going into camp, and Yant was two, Ramir was three, Irvin four, AJ Allen five, okay. Emmett Johnson six. Now, what I would say now, it's Anthony Grant, but I'd say Irvin made a big move. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, Irvin made a big move and would probably be in that two slot or maybe an or with him and Yant. And then Ramirez gone. Ramirez interesting because it's, he's now almost equally equal parts running back and slot. Yeah. Mm. So they'll see, you'll see him a lot. And then another development, a big, I'd say a pretty sizable camp development is AJ Allen. Um, Where where I've told he's the, I've been told he's their best open field runner. Um, I'd be surprised the two guys, the two freshmen that, I think would exceed that four game redshirt stipulation. I would be Ernest Hausman and AJ Allen right now. I, I don't yeah. know if there's another one in there, um, but though there might be. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I know Jim Allen. in Minnesota. Jim in Minnesota is going to be happy to hear that about. Yeah, right there. Uh, he's he's uh, he's an AJ Allen uh, fan. So for him to hear that, uh, I know. Hey, Sip, now, I, I don't know about that, Jim. Uh, that's a <laughs> I, I haven't, you know, I haven't watched him in practice. Back in the back when Amon was playing, we did see a lot. Uh, they would let us, oh, uh, they would let us go over there at that time for the. <laughs> it was pretty funny. There was a when Amon was a freshman. Now was that friend? That would, would that have been would, no? That would have been Tom, right? Was that Tom? Um, it's, yeah, my memory's starting to escape me, which is a little scary. My wife says, but okay. So Amon was a true freshman. 95 would have been his freshman year. 
Yeah, that's Tom. Yeah. So I remember that practice. I remember that practice very well because we, the media, there wasn't much media for one thing. There's always more of us. And I was standing on the field for some reason. I was like way too close to it. And I remember when they the first put Amon with the ones. Um, and it was, you know, it was like, okay, that's pretty big. He's a freshman. He's with the first team offense. Now, I don't know about A.J. Allen if he's like Amon Green yet. Uh, he might be. I'd be a little surprised if that's the case. Um, but the fact that he's sort of established himself this early is a great sign. That is. Great sign. Hey, Sip, hmm. I got a question about Urban because I, I can't remember if it was you that was talking about it or somebody else because I listened to all those shows later on his podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about one of his biggest issues last year was his lack of size, right? Because he was a young kid and he just – That wasn't right? me talking. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and they say that this year he's gotten into better physical shape as far as just like hitting the weight room, hitting the program, doing everything he's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious is, do you think that he's emerging like that because of that? Or is it a lot of it have to do too with the style of offense that whip's going to be running this year? Yeah, I don't, that's a good question. The size, I thought he was fine last year. Um, what I would style of offense, he's definitely a downhill runner. Um, and I think he would benefit from being under center. Um, but I think he could play regardless. Here's the deal with him. And here, this is what he's told me. I interviewed him this summer. He's definitely a rhythm running back. Mm. And so it takes, he, he says it might take me a little while to find that rhythm, but once I do, it's, it, it'll work. Now, here's the thing. And what I always say about Gabe Urban is I when we were at Oklahoma covering that game, you know, I'm sitting with Parker and Chris Baznet, Parker Gabriel and Chris Baznet. And I, at the time I said, I, Irvin's, Irvin's fine. He's, I didn't, I'd never talked to him at that point, but I said, he's fine. He's settled into a rhythm. He didn't have big numbers before his uh, knee injury, but he was going to, he was going to go, he was going to go for 50 yards on that carry. If you mm-hmm. w- watch it. Um, and that's what he says. He's going for 50. And I, I told those guys, he's starting to find, you can tell he's confident. He's running more. He, you can, you can just see it. You guys can see. You totally agree. And that, that's why it was so unfortunate when he blew yeah. that in that play. And he did say, he said, yeah, he goes, I did. I, I was starting to feel comfortable. Um, so he's a freshman. That was the fourth game, right? Um, mm-hmm. Third or fourth game. And, and he, um, so I'm excited to see what he's got. When I talked to him, I, I've said, when I talked to him this summer, it, he was legitimately like a horse kicking a stall. <laughs> <laughs> he was so, so jacked. Um, he wanted to, he just wants to play so bad. And you know what, guys? One of the things this summer, I did interview a lot of guys. Um, they have a lot of, like, just a lot of good kids and kids mm. that are here ready to roll. I mean, this, agree. I think they got a, I think they have a good bunch of guys, guys whose heads are in, in the right spot. They brought in, I'm telling you guys, you've seen enough interviews with O'Shawn probably, maybe mm-hmm. when, maybe Devin Drew, they didn't bring in clowns now. No, nope. mm-hmm. these guys are serious dudes, serious dudes. And here for good reasons, um, they did a great job in the portal. I mean, they, mm-hmm. It did a, 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 a great A job of going and getting guys. Hey, Redcasters. I know the economy has been tough and 
Are you looking for a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive, stable history of over 20 years? What is FSC Edge, a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies, expert services, helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality, and they support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the United States and Europe. You can work with fun people with great attitudes, learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer facing. You can dress just like me right now in your Husker tank top and your Go Big Red Cast hat. And you can work in a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. Job also comes with excellent benefits. Go check out available jobs today at www.jobsandfsc.com. Let's go. Let's go. We, you know, Sip, when we had you on back in March, uh, we tried to we started to kind of try to do some projection stuff, which, I, albeit that's way too early, it wasn't even spring ball yet, all that. But you know, we were trying to pick the first six games and all that. But a lot's happened obviously since then. And a lot always does. I'm showing some other, you know, here's some tweets from some okay. other people here. Brett McMurphy had us in his preseason top 25. Here's mm-hmm. this Will Mead guy uh, says, uh, you know, Nebraska minus 12. Uh, Nebraska plays Northwestern Ireland. I think Nebraska is this year's Michigan State. They will surprise everyone, win the Big Ten West. Frost finally has his QB in, in Texas transfer, Casey Thompson. Um, Adam McClintock, who we've had on the show, College Football Matrix, um, he had us originally seven and five. Now he has us at eight and four. And this is him using his, his analytics, which in the past, his analytics would have us at, you know, three and five a couple of years ago and, and, you know, six and six, four, five and seven, that kind of stuff. So using the same numbers, mm-hmm. my point behind all this is it, it's creating this, this, uh, there's, there's starting to become a narrative of, well, you know, seven and a half is what Vegas says, but geez, eight and four. I mean, the projections are starting to get higher and it's not just coming from Rob. Who I guess I'll, I'll give Rob this. I'll give this Rob too. Rob did change his uh, his Twitter handle here to whatever three point three percent, which is our chance of going fifteen and zero, according to um, college football professors. So, um, I guess are you feeling? Do you feel some of that same compared to when we talked back in in March, where you were very hesitant to want to even you know give wins or losses? I mean, are you feeling comfortable when you? Nebraska's making a bowl game. We're going, we're definitely getting that seven or eight wins minimum. I mean, where are you, or, or are you like, no, 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 let's, let's cool that. So where are you at? Well, I mean, it's that, that discussion evolves in my mind. And one thing that you, one way it would evolve one way or the other is camp and getting through it. What, right. what's, what's mm-hmm. the injury situation look like? You guys have been following it for a long time. There's been times when they've suffered some pretty debilitating injuries in camp. I mean, I, like Quentin Castile, I remember when that happened, I thought, oh, that's not good. Um, they had backs at that point, but like they didn't have anything like that happen. You know, I don't know. That was a random one, but you know how it is. They've had guys, they'd have, they'd have guys go down or just camp was rocky. You know, something would happen. Um, I, there's so many instances that they, okay, here's an instance. Bill Callahan approaches the media corps and tells tells us that Harrison Beck is not around and they don't know where he's at. <laughs> That's right. Um, which, Sip, which, I was I was thinking of uh, Doug DeBose back in the eighties. Didn't he get a knee injury in preseason? Yeah, game? he blew out his knee. You're right. Yeah, I'll never that. forget that watching the the ten eleven news and listening to that and thinking that our season was over. Oh, you guys, if you stop and think, you can probably almost go year to year. And yeah. always, it, God dang, during the bow during the Pelini era, there was camps were ridiculously rocky it was almost a nightmare at times um 
but you know, you had to Bubba Starling one year. You had that kid from Millard blow out his knee and the world of Herald guy reported and blow Bo blew a gasket and mm-hmm. take us all out of practice for about a week and a half. <laughs> no interviews, no nothing. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Nothing like that though. So like, it's been very, it's been very smooth mm-hmm. from that standpoint. And that affects the way I look at it. I, you know, I'm just like everybody or a lot of people in that I tempted to pick eight, but I just can't, you just get burned so many times that I'm not going to do it. I just say seven, but I feel pretty safe at mm. seven. And I do, here's the deal. They're not great. They don't have great talent. Um, <clears throat> They don't. It's good though. And it, is it better, is it better talent than a year ago? I mean, it's, you know, I, think I, I asked that before. we had Michael Severe on back in, in, in uh, June and yeah, what he that said. was his big, his thing right away was he goes, we, we've got better talent. Just right off the top. Mm-hmm. We, we had a, a pure talent discussion and his take was we're a more talented team. Now, whether talent leads to wins or not, that that's, that's, that's another discussion. But right now just talking pure talent, he was like, and he went kind of across the board and we used one of his tweets and, and that he had said that, uh, you know, and it was defensive line and linebacker and wide receiver. I mean, you name the position group. He was, it, it's better is what he, his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like. quite as emphatic uh, as Michael because they had two second rounders. I mean, those mm-hmm. Jurgens and Cam Taylor Britt were good players, and still he's really playing well in the Miami camp. By the way, I think JoJo made, and yeah, yeah, I think still he might make the more still in. Jo- JoJo was getting rep with the second team uh, defense in Indianapolis this weekend, so that was that was pretty nice to watch. Yeah, and like I said, Stilly I think could make that fifty three in Miami. Um, I don't know if I sign off on it quite as emphatically. I think across the board, though, they're pretty good. Hmm. Like, but you know, you saw you saw though what uh, what Jerry Donato tweeted when he got mm-hmm. to Maryland and that was, I think the fifth stop on the BTM bus tour. And he said, Maryland was the, the most talented team they've seen. And mm-hmm. they've, they've been at Nebraska. So you want to, you want to, I don't want to go too far. I like what they have. Um, but they're not, they're not so good that they're going to be able to have letdowns and expect to beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think mm-hmm. it's come on, what I'm getting at here is if they're going to get to eight or nine, they're going to have to win close games that's what it's all about to me that's what this what that's what this whole situation this is what the whole discussion has become about to me you got to win close games because you're going to play a ton of them you got to figure out how to do it so you got to tighten a lot up tighten a lot of things up whipple's alluded to it i think whipple doesn't talk about it that much but i think it's very much part of the reason he's here and i think they've looked at it very closely he's talked about late game situations and guys having a better understanding of what they need for a first down late, be, be able to understand um, clock and um, where the ball is and what you need to get done, where the kick line is. They've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just little things that a lot of the players just don't, none of them are all that well-versed on it. You got to coach that. And I think, I think um, to me, there's still, 
they're pretty comparable to a lot of the Big Ten teams. They're going to have to win close games. That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. That's right. Alumni Hall, they just opened up a sweet new shop in downtown Lincoln. I believe it took over one of the other shops. What shop was that, Honky? It was Husker mm-hmm. headquarters. They also have one at Hus- 56 and um, Highway 2. So yeah. there's two locations in Lincoln now. And yeah, and they just they just opened up there. And next time I'm in Lincoln, I'm definitely looking forward to going there and checking out this the store itself. You know, we we've we've gone around the Haymarket, checked out a couple stores there, but apparently this one is top notch and and you know, number one with all of like the actual licensed you know, swag and everything. And I got my shirt there too, so a little Herbie Love going on and you know, rock and roll. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, again, that's Alumni Hall. And you can also check their stuff out, alumnihall.com backslash Nebraska, I think it is. And you can see all of the stuff to purchase from them through there because they will send it to you in the mail. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive. And many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning into the 10th annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Now back to our show. Hey, Rob, Boomer, what do we have right now for some questions? Uh, We probably want to get to some of those before we get to defense here. Yeah, here's a quick one from uh, Fong Wei. Uh, Sip, you've seen Osborne and Solich's practice intensity. How does Frost's compare from what you've been able to see? It's intense. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going down the road. I mean, come on. I mean, the Osborne years were ridiculous. <laughs> uh, they were. I mean, it was unfair. It was. I mean, that's the. Unfortunately, fortunately, and unfortunately, I was able to see a lot of that. And that standard got so high. And it was a different time, too. They couldn't practice like that now. They're not even allowed to practice no. like that now. I always tell people, mm-hmm. I, there's vivid memories I have. When they would do the goal line drill, you know, I was pretty young in the job. And when they would get in the goal line drill, I didn't feel comfortable. <laughs> I mean, <it> was, <laughs> because, I mean, it was violent. I mean, it, it, was, it was legitimate violence playing out before your eyes and it was eye popping for That's me. Amazing. It, um, you know, they wouldn't even let, let the first string running back in there, you know, for fear he wouldn't come out alive. And, and it was so that you don't, I don't, you don't see a lot of that. Um, and even that in, but that carried into the Callahan years, you, you know, they still practice, they could still beat the hell out of each other in 2005. And, you know, I saw Richie and, character go at it one time that was that was illuminating and they stopped the practice they went they, they started they started swinging helmets and they had to stop the practice um I, those are things i remember i remember randy gregory and alex lewis going at it hard enough that it got so intense they had to pull alex off the field for the day i don't know if you see that kind of stuff anymore um but it's an i i've seen the just two practices 40 minutes it's intense. It looks like it should to me. Do, do we have some intensity from the O-line? Because some of the guys you just oh, mentioned yeah. there, O-linemen, and that's a question I've had with some some people I've been talking with too about, you know, that is an area where we really need to, whether it is the incognitos, you go back to Rayola's, where's that leader? Where's that guy that if, if, if guys are jumping offside, someone's in their face, if some, you know, if guys are making mistakes, you know, a lot of times from the offensive line, you need that, you need some kind of vocal leadership. Do you see somebody on the line right now being that? Yeah, Corcoran. Yeah, he's Corcoran is. Yeah, Turner's the guy that 
that they would turn to in those situations. I like that group. They don't have a star. They don't have a Donovan. You know, they don't have a Donovan Rayola or Richie. Mm -hmm. um, But they do have – Turner could be that guy. You know, he's just – last year he didn't didn't practice much in August and just never – he wasn't very confident because his body wasn't – in where he wanted it to be. Mm. It's fine. Now he just had a concussion is all he, he, I say all he, he had a concussion. So he missed some days, but he's been back for the last three practices. Three practices. Yeah. But he's, he's it, what's play. interesting. What's interesting about the O line. You hear that, that, you know, maybe that uh, they don't have a star there, but I guess, and maybe this goes back to what Mickey Joseph talks about with like, it doesn't matter what you're recruited and you got to prove it, but that old line has three top 100 recruits on it i mean you'd think if, if it's just about pulling out the and they don't really need to be amazing for us to win if they were no. just serviceable last year and didn't well wasn't a detriment so, with the penalties and the horns don't all that standards, they were, Jack, don't lower your standards they need, right. need richie and those guys we talked about richie and rayola and finotti those guys were they were not just serviceable no 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 i'm not saying that i'm saying <laughs> this year's team they, they, hey. uh, you need some guys like that I, hey, like, so- yeah. So your radio show, you were talking, I think one of your segments today was titled like, you know, does the season pretty much hinge on, on the offensive line play? I was going to save this question for our, our defensive talk. So maybe we can pivot honky, but here, um, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I had one yeah I'll, I'll set, set you up though. Is that, um, that mm-hmm. the conversation you were having was um, about how maybe the offensive line might be better run blocking um mm-hmm. you're hearing this from the coaching staff and they're struggling a little with the pass block right and also i've heard that maybe kevin williams jr rob's good friend who's on the show might be <laughs> pushing ben hart a little bit you know and honky's been very consistent saying you know ben hart is kind of a, a key here on whether yeah. he is going to make this happen um you know uh i guess i was trying to my thought on pivoting the question was maybe it's the d line is actually that good and causing some of these pass protection issues but are you concerned a little bit with the pass protection and, yeah. and maybe how that dictates how they call plays this year yeah i am i i mean i think that has been a concern of in camp now they are really strong on the edge though as we've said and they are legitimately strong oshan's you know he's capable i think of like seven to nine sacks and Garrett Nelson's playing the best football of his career. And I think as a, you know, he looks more and more like an NFL player to me, Tanner, man, I, I, I hope that God, they, they, they are creative and find ways to get Caleb Tanner going. Cause he's, I know, I, I mean, people are always like, simple. you, you think way too much of Caleb Tanner. I do. I, I think a ton of him, that guy can play. He's just undersized uh, as a, in the big 10, trying to put him, put his hand in the ground and play against those six, six, 310 pounders. He gets caught up in the wash, but he, there's ways you can use him. Um, so, so to answer your question, yeah, they have struggled in pass protection a little bit, but not, 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 an, not, it's not been alarming. And when I get into that, make that distinction between pass blocking and run blocking, what I'm talking about is if you just look at this group, it looks like a run blocking group. The tackles are are mammoth. Okay, like you know, a lot of NFL tackles, you'd say, "Well, Sip, come on, there's there's six, seven tackles, six, eight tackles." But some of those guys look more like basketball players. These guys are mashers. They're big, thick, heavy legged guys that look like run blockers. Now, I'm not saying they can't pass block. I think they can, but but I, I don't know that's their strength. I don't think Bryce Benhart's strength is a pass blocker. I think he's a run blocker. 
Matt's right too. Ben Hart's the key. If he can hold down the right tackle job, that enables him to put Corcoran at left guard. And I think they're best with Prohaska at left tackle, Corcoran at left guard. And you have the two grown men, um, Hickson at center and Bando at right guard. Um, and then, then you got Ben Hart. So I like that. I, I don't love it, but, uh, but I think it, they can be okay. Um, that's that, but, and that's the key. Don't we always say offensive lines, a key I, I, people yeah. always say that, but here's the thing in some years, it's a higher degree than others. And I would say this is a year where it's pretty high degree. That's mm-hmm. It's time to throw the bones. Some okay. of your notes from the scrimmage this weekend, too, and, and I'll just read back what you wrote because it goes back. You brought up Adam Carricker earlier, and I talked with him this summer and about yeah. the defense as well. And so I just kind of wanted – and you said something in your notes, and so I wanted to kind of get a little bit more emphasis from you. You said the defense continues to come together nicely. It was strong today, I'm told. Mm-hmm. It has a good uh, – it's had a good camp. You likely will see a lot of creative looks and formations from Eric Chenander. And – that's one thing character said too. He said, it doesn't matter if they go three, four or four, three, because you're going to see him mixing it up and disguising a lot of defenses. And, and can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what you've heard, what you've seen from, from them in camp on that sort of stuff. Yeah. And first of all, guys, I really, I want to say something here before we go on. I really appreciate the fact you read uh, this stuff. I, Dude, I, I, I subscribe to on three because yeah. of you, man. Well, I, <laughs> I can tell you guys, I mean, I'm not just talking about reading my stuff. You read stuff and I appreciate that. And you guys pay close attention um, and you listen. So I like that too. Um, they, I, I mean, the big question and, and actually Sam McEwen asked Eric Chenander early in camp, would you use O'Shaw Mathis and Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson in the same set? You know, would they, they, would they be maybe all three down linemen in, in a set or, and he said, he didn't say no. And he basically said, yes. And of course, that's what they're going to do at times. I mean, the, the, you'll see O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, and Caleb Tanner on the field at the same time. I almost, mm-hmm. well, I would guarantee it. Um, so that's 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 part of the creativity. I wonder what else is. I don't know. Like I, when I think of the creativity, I think of Tanner, and then I think of guys like Demario Williams and Eric Martin, and you know the way they moved those guys around and got pretty mm-hmm. creative with them. And it was really beneficial. I mean, they, that year, remember Eric Martin, mm-hmm. uh, the Pelini era, and they didn't have a pass. They didn't have a big time pass rusher that year. And they had to figure something out. Um, mm-hmm. And what they figured out was Eric Martin could could do some things. And I think he came out of there with eight sacks that year. And I hope they can do something like that with Tanner. If Tanner could get you eight sacks, man, I mean that that would be that would be great. Um, as far as that defense goes, look, the edge is – what this comes down to, to me, is another distinction. I, I'm pretty sure you're going to see a, the strongest pass rush we've seen in a while. But teams will, teams will negate it. They'll, they'll minimize that damage if they, can just, if they can just run it at Nebraska. That's what I would do. I mean, I'd, I'd just say – well, we're not going to worry about it. We're going to, it's going to be third short a lot. And we're going to, and those guys are on the edges. We're just going to beat them in the middle. And that's where I hope they hold up. Now, I think they feel pretty good. I mean, I'm talking about their coaching staff. 
that they don't, you know, I've talked to them off the record. They feel a little better than I thought about that whole picture inside. Um, now time will tell, but <clears throat> they're probably a little better than I thought going into camp. I feel better about it than I did going into camp. I yeah. Hold up well in camp. Well, you, you know, you have Hutmacher and you've got yeah. Robinson and, and Wynn and, and Colton Feast. We also, here's a little video of, of Drew in his first day there about a week ago, uh, now back on campus too. So there's a little bit of depth on the interior side there to man those two positions. Uh, we're talking defense here. The, the depth chart, Sip, uh, this is what we kind of have as our depth chart. And, okay, I'm looking and, at the one I got, so let me see how you do here. Sure, you can see how far. I, I don't like using <laughs> or, but I had to use or with O'Shawn and Caleb there. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Robinson and Wynn, although I think, you know, Feast could be up there I too. I Feast in there uh, right now. And maybe, in fact, I just got a text while we were sitting here. I don't mind saying this from a former player. Mm-hmm. said Feast is their best lineman. Is okay. he watching the show right now? That's what I want to know. I wonder awesome. if that's what he's doing. I, that would be great. Can you tell us who it is? <laughs> no. <laughs> Rob yeah. wants to drop another name. I don't so, want to drop the name. No, I want the. No. I want to just everyone to know that. I'll tell you one thing. Former players. We're the podcast. Former players. Listen. Yeah, this that's guy. What I, uh, to say. I would listen. I would listen to this guy um, about any football matter. Um, well, and he okay. he said uh, his original text was. Uh, Feast is their best D lineman. And he said, rephrase that most consistent and therefore most productive. Uh-huh. Um, I, I really like him. He's a great story. Colton. He's a tough, he's a, he's a, he's a tough, he's a tough dude now. Okay. Well, and think, think of that. Um, that's a UTN walk on here's, yeah. you know, Luke Reimer, yeah. another walk on again, for the people that yeah. the walk on programs dead and all that, we're talking two guys that, you know, would be listed on the left column here. Uh, Nick Hendricks. Now that Nick spot, you got um, that. I've seen now I have Chris Clark here, but here I'll, I'll read something that you wrote the other day, nice. Sip, and you go, I'm told Nickel Nickel Isaac Gifford is having a great That's camp. Different. I would say the job is yeah. his at this point. Both yeah, Jamie Wright and Gifford. That'll be Gifford. And, and no the, the crazy thing though is I've heard I have heard and read different things about all three of those. Uh Javen Wright, Kolarevich, and and um and Gifford. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you on this one here and I'll, I'll move trust me on this one. Trust yeah. me on this one. Gifford I, will be nickel. I'll, I'll move Gifford up to that. But the point is, I guess I'll look at that as a good sign that I'm hearing good things about three different people at that same position. And that's one of those positions that at least from a differentiator, kind of like what you said with like Eric Martin 10 years ago, we didn't have a lot of those the last couple of seasons in Jojo, that position at least was something that created some differentiator kind of fun, for, you know, it was, it was a nice element. Yeah. And you know, I, be interesting to see there. And then in the defensive backfield here, we have Quentin Newsom, yeah. Tommy Hill. Tommy Hill, I mean, we just seem to hear so much about him, the transfer from Arizona State. And then Miles Farmer and Marquise Buford uh, at safeties. Safety spots. Yeah, you Is got that- it. The only ones you, you'd have to switch there are Kalerovich and Wynn. Uh, I mean, Fee- Colton will be in there. He's, a, mm-hmm. he's on – I mean, I'm looking at the pre-camp depth chart. He was number one, um, and as was Gifford. And Gifford has had a really good camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had a question, or you you made a statement here, and I've I'm a big believer in the four three as a front. I guess I've just been saying that all off season. We've been when we talked with Damon Benning one time, and we were like, "Isn't it true that you could use you could actually need less defensive lineman bodies in a four man front than a three man front because all three guys have to be a yeah. big body there." Here, you know, in a four man front, we between Feast and Robinson and 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 the whole combination of, of Hutmacher and, yeah. and Wynn and Drew backing them up. So you have a rotation. 
you got to have two guys in the middle that can just plug up guard to guard. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard people say, we don't have a Damian Daniels anymore. They're right. We don't. Mm-hmm. But Damian Daniels, you needed a Damian Daniels in a three-man nose tackle, zero guy right on the center. We don't have that right now. And that's one of the reasons I'm more comfortable yeah. than ever playing a four-man yeah. front and having those moving Oshan and, and, and yeah. Nelson up, you know, into an end spot. Yeah, I got you. I hear you. I, um, I, I'm not completely, I don't dismiss the notion that Nash Hutmacher could be that mm-hmm. guy right now. I mm-hmm. now, you know, he hasn't made a tackle. Um, but I think he's ready. I, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think, I hope we're pleasantly, uh, maybe pleasantly surprised. I, I don't know that I'll be all that surprised. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he's, they got some tough kids and he's one of them. I think he can hold in there pretty well. I, and he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be a big time playmaker. He's just got, he's just like, he's got to hold firm. And I think he's he got to be a body in there. Yeah, he can. Mm-hmm. I think he can, I think he can be, um, you know, in that Damian Daniels mold. Damian was active though. Damian had 33 tackles mm-hmm. uh, last year. That's good. That's good. In that. Position. Oh, he was a big, yeah, he, he was, was tough. times. He, yeah, he was moving. He moved guys. Um, this, you know, the difference, Nash might give you more snaps. I mean, this mm. was, Daniels couldn't play more than 30. Um, and I think Nash might be able to give you more. He might have to give you more. Mm. Well, here's a, you know, from uh, on three, they did a top 10 linebacking core and Nebraska, they had N- Nebraska, mm. the ninth ranked linebacking core in the country. Now, what's interesting is when we talked to Brett Ciancia pick six previews a couple weeks ago, we were breaking down his defensive position charts and, you know, he had D-line and linebacker. And we're like, well, you know, where do you put Nelson? Where do you put Tanner? Where do you put mm-hmm. um, Oshan? Are they defensive line? Are they linebackers? And Brett's actually like, for his preview magazine next year, he's like, I may just get rid of that. I may just call it front seven because yeah. I'm running into this with so many teams running three, four, four, three, that right. it's, it, it just mix it together and just call it front seven. But yeah. at least, you know, what on three is saying there. And and Dave, I think you said the same thing. Phil still had um, – the linebacking crew, you know, ranked, I think, 13th yeah. in the country. Yep. I mean, we're, wow. there's some accolades. Again, we're trying to find the Kool-Aid that isn't flowing from within here. And there seems to be some <laughs> some coming from national, you know, ranks and outside that 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 see that. But that linebacking core definitely is something to be built around. Yeah, it's, inter- it's always interesting, isn't it? Because we, we're very myopic. We fixate on one team. We know all their flaws, all their strengths. Um, so you, does, you, do, you do kind of have to remove yourself. And it is good to get that sort of perspective. I try to zoom out a lot, which mm. I'm pretty good at it actually. And um, I just zoom out of a lot of things, but the, I, I, I do like, okay. I mean, again, there's always these distinctions. When I think of their linebackers, I mostly think of their inside linebackers because now they're, now they're using edge guys. And I think of Tanner and Oshot and, and Garrett and Jamari Butler and Gunnarsson different position. I, I focus mostly on those inside guys and I do like them. I, in fact, Reimer to me is sort of a hidden, amazing story. Maybe you guys know, you guys, the guys know a lot. It got by me though, that he played all of last year hurt. I mean, he, 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 he got hurt in August. Mm. He never was healthy last year and, and made 108 tackles. Yeah, he did get pushed around. They got pushed around. At times, those two inside guys, they had good years. Luke had 108 and Hendrich had 99 tackles. But 
<laughs> if you're just real, if you go back and watch, they were getting pushed around a little bit in the run mm-hmm. game at times. Mm-hmm. They're tougher than hell, though. I, I feel I just I love them both. Mm-hmm. That they're those kids are the kind of kids you got to have. They will do anything they can. Neither of them are getting pressed. They're they're their starters. They're you know they're kind of, they're they're a little rare that way. They don't have to worry about their jobs. They're the guys, but that doesn't bother. They're not the kind of guys where that would affect them negatively. We had a question there and uh, Boomer, can you put that back up about the inside linebacker depth? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just someone asking, can you talk a little bit more about like, who do we have behind uh, Henrich and and, uh, Luke there? Yeah, there's three guys in that discussion. Ativa Maga Clements has had a good, pretty good camp. That's good. Those guys, Mainly Luke and Nick talk about him. And, you know, he came here from um, Diablo Valley Community College. <laughs> Barrett has said he just blitzed every time when he was at Diablo. Northern <laughs> California, great. Oh, they did. Yeah, he had to learn how to play football. Yeah, he had to learn how to play, and he has. And Ernest would be the – I think Ernest Hausman might ultimately be number three kind of a battle with those guys and then columbus and, guy yeah Ernest, er, they love him they really do i said he, he and aj allen are the are the best freshmen mm-hmm. um Ernest could see major time i mean i'm not that, that's not that's not my personal view that barrett has said that mm-hmm. including including special teams or are you talking even just oh, i'm talking about and meaningful snaps inside wow, it, wow. that's about. awesome yeah, he's very into he's very so he's very sharp in class and school. He's very sharp as a football player. He's up to 220. So he's got oh the physical ad, he's got the physical attributes. Um but I I don't know. I, I'll tell you what. I think there'd be a little bit of a come on. I mean there there'd be a drop off. He's a true freshman. Hmm. Well, that's uh, that's interesting though too because one of the things that I've heard multiple people say is that you know you want your program at the point to where you don't need to play your freshman right yeah. like where right because of development but it's and and it's seen a lot of people are saying well you know nebraska is almost there to that point where they're mm-hmm. building up the depth whether it's through you know people coming back or through the transfer portal but now we're talking about a kid that could get significant snaps as a freshman so do you think that that's because of the depth or is that because he's just coming in and and proving to be way better than what they originally thought he was going to be, which was really good. To be Don't think it's either or. I think it's a combination. I mean, they okay. didn't. They're not, they're not blessed with great depth at inside linebacker. Not bad. It's not bad. And I think I think Ernest is just he he's advanced quickly, and he's a, he is advanced physically. I mean, if he, he passes the eye test, the big thing though with that position is you have to be smart. I mean, that's that's a mm-hmm. there's some positions that's more a requirement than others and inside linebacker it's a requirement you're directed traffic so and but barrett feels comfortable with him but man i'm telling you the importance of nick henrich and luke reimer can't be overstated and i and i like i said i love them just both those kids are like i told you luke played with a hip issue and a and a groin issue throughout last year never said a word had in 100 and had 108 tackles he had two surgeries after the season he had one right after Right after the season, right days after the Iowa game, he had, I think that's when he got his hip surgery. And then he went down to Houston and um, it was a hernia, like an, like, like a hernia type situation. So he played with his bad hip and hernia, two off season surgeries. He said, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. And he doesn't, you know, and he didn't have, 
the opportunity to do a lot of lifting during the during the off season, but he's fine. I'm excited for him because he gets to play healthy. And I think, and you know what, guys, you remember, I don't know if you remember, I remember distinctly when he was right, when he was healthy in 2020, there's nobody faster to the ball on the team. I mean, he's, and that, by the way, is an inside blitzer, you know, I mean, that mm-hmm. he, he could figure into that pass rush too from the inside delayed mm-hmm. blitzes and stuff. He gets there extremely quickly. It's mm-hmm. exciting. Um, I guess, you know, we're getting to the very end here of the defense or sip, and I know we're getting mm-hmm. close to, to the time. Oh, we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, I guess let's talk secondary then. That's the last part of this. And we brought up, you know, again, I'll bring up our depth chart that we have. And, uh, you know, we had Quentin Newsom Hill at, at here. Yeah. corners. We had Farmer and Buford. Then yep. behind them, Braxton Clark, Javier Morton, uh, Kane Williams, the transfer from Alabama, Noah Pola Gates. Um, sure, we're missing somebody there, or we've got, but. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, here's the deal. Let's see, corner, corners, corners. You definitely Hill and Newsom and Braxton. And then uh, I'd say Tame and Lynham would be ahead of Morton. Um, okay. mm-hmm. Tame, and, not far, but yeah, there's an edge there for sure. Mm-hmm. So Tame and Lynham is forgotten. He gets forgotten for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Well, he, was hurt all, he was hurt a lot of last year. Man, I'll tell you what, though, those little 40-minute looks at practice we get as a media core lineham is is a great looking corner i mean he's a yeah. long good corner and um, that would be a great sign for development too that's a kid that's been in the program now for you know a year and and you know it's nice to see guys that can it's great to recruit the next guy but it's also nice to develop a guy a year over year well, and, and see that's so important too yeah. so that safety you're right um it's farmer and buford but right after them Omar Brown has moved into a top okay. back spot in Singleton. Singleton, um, that was one yeah. of the other ones. Yeah, Omar Brown and Singleton. Kane Williams came here hurt. Um, now, he's pra- he was practicing the other day, but he came here with a shoulder issue. Um, I, he's a little further down. He's just a redshirt freshman. They don't. I, I don't think they're expecting him to come in and win a job. Um, he's, a, he's a little down the line. Noah Paul Gates is right there, but he's not – He'd be behind Omar Brown and Singleton right now. Um, mm. Omar Brown has made a big impression. And Singleton, Fisher said that Singleton played at a starter's level in the spring game. And, in fact, Fisher said he wishes they, that he would, he drove home that night thinking, God, I wish this wasn't the last practice of spring because Singleton came on. Mm. Um, so that – you, you got the starters right, but right behind those guys, I'm looking at the, I'm even looking at the priest camp depth chart. Mm. Omar Brown was two at one safety. In fact, he was behind Farmer, and Singleton was two behind Buford, and and I would say it's more pronounced now with Omar Brown. They they okay. yeah he's moved in. He's gonna play. I mean he's in fact they're so good. They're right now it's. It, at safety, they feel there wouldn't be – it's interesting. They feel like there wouldn't be much of a drop-off if they went to Brown and Singleton. And and even that edge discussion, one of the coaches told me, you know what, if we had to play Jamari Butler and Blaze Gunnerston, we'd be, we'd be in good shape. Mm-hmm. How did yeah. they feel about the, that position? Yeah, so safety and, and edge feeling really solid at, at those spots. Oh, yeah. Right? Just deep. Depth. Deep. Yeah, deep. Not as in the corner, but not in bad shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I you know, if Quentin Newsom went down, it'd be a, probably an issue, but not a killer. If well, considering what they 
considering what they lost at safety, that yeah. that's a really good feeling. That's to, amazing. To, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you've lost this yeah. and, and Williams, you played too much. Boomer, can you bring up Jim's question again? I think Jim is trying to get you simple to, uh, to say that somebody is at least the greatest freshman since someone else. So, I mean, <laughs> he did it at the running back spot. This time is, is Tommy Hill, the greatest freshman cornerback since Dennard. I, I don't know how to do that. I, I was, <laughs> oh, I was, we love you, Jim. No, we love he's you. not being serious. Well, somebody somebody commented back and said no since Deion Sanders. So yeah. know that that's, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, the, Terrell Buckley and Sanders, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jim is messing with me. I don't recognize <laughs> that all the time. Um, I don't know, Tommy. I think Tommy Hill. I, You know, Tommy Hill's another of those guys that um, – I've had a chance to interview a couple times and he just, man, there's some guys on this team. They've re- done a good job of recruiting guys who love it. They just, Tommy Hill just loves, loves being a football player. Mm. Um, and he, he'll be exciting. I guarantee he'll be exciting. They, they, I think you can tell him I am pretty excited. I have to rein myself in a lot um, because of decent seasons and I, and I can't get carried away in my position. But the, I I am excited about like you know I get it's exciting talking to Oshawn Mathis, Tommy Hill, guys like that, Stephon Wynn, um, Chuba, Casey. Casey's a very serious guy, and mm-hmm. I like, try to emphasize to people, Casey Thompson turns twenty four in October, and when you talk to Casey, you're talking to a grown man. Now when you talk to Chuba, you're not. But the mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kid, um, but Casey's just a I mean. I'll tell you one thing, pressure, pressure season, you better have a steady hand at quarterback, and I and Casey can handle about anything, I think. Hmm. Well, Dave, before we get to um, the, the parting shots, I, I we have a graphic designer, Swobes. I showed a great graphic the last time you were on. This is going to be a different one, Sip, but uh, I think it's a good way for us to kind of get out to parting shots, and that is rank the toughest road game. And so hmm. we start off right away. Ooh. It's Northwestern. We're, we're going down there to uh, – to Ireland, and you'll you'll be leaving next week. Uh, there's Rutgers, which happens in October. So if we can come back with a victory uh, from Northwestern, we don't go on the road again until October. Then Purdue at Michigan and at at Iowa, they're uh, Black Friday. So easily, uh, easily Michigan, uh, easily Michigan, yeah, easily. Ann Arbor, I like. I was talking to Sean Callahan today, and he always sings that tune that Ann Arbor is not that tough to play at because it. The way I don't know, the way people say the way to stand slope back or something. Man, that place is loud and ornery. It's a loud, ornery place. And if it's dark, it's really loud and ornery. Uh, uh-uh, that's a tough place. That's a that'll be a that'll be a really hard game in November. Real hard. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the kind of games that separate the men from the boys. They do. Uh, that game, the game that always stands out to me is uh, when when uh, Amir took that pitch. And got it snuck into the end zone. He, 2013. That's the only game. That's the only time I've been to the big house. Was that yeah. was that victory? That was an ornery crowd because they were pissed at that coach. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was a bad crowd because I got stuck in the I got stuck in a press box. I didn't catch the elevators, and I had to go through the crowd to get to the post game down. Yeah, shit, it was a mess. But I, I had to go through the crowd. That was not good. I'm a little guy, and it didn't seem like anybody was little in that crowd. <laughs> and, and there was uh, a lot of F-bombs. Uh, it, it, that was a rough scene. And I, I, it was impressive, though. No, that game will be – come on now. I mean, that's that's going to be rough. So they, Michigan – will have done something. So Michigan, Michigan – Iowa, and Purdue, then Rutgers, then Northwestern. 
Okay. Purdue will be really hard. I mean, if Nebraska is going to win that game, they're probably going to have to win it close. Um, you know, Rutgers, Nebraska, that's an example of a game where Nebraska will have a talent advantage, Northwestern talent advantage. Even Purdue, probably a bit of a talent advantage. But if they beat Purdue, it won't be by much. Hey, Dave, I want your thoughts on that. I mean, when you look at this, do you do you do you differ from that? Uh, Michigan, Iowa, Purdue, Rutgers, Northwestern, or do you where are you at on it? Yeah, no, I think he's. I think Sip's right on here. I mean, Michigan clearly is the most talented helmet on this uh, on this graphic that Swobes did. Um, so no questions asked. Um, and if it's a night game, if it's a night game, that means actually Nebraska is doing pretty well, and this is maybe a, mm-hmm. a prime time matchup. So I take that as a good sign, but. It would make it even that more daunting. Um, you know, Sam McEwen has had Purdue on his list. Purdue's like one of those teams that some people love them and think they're going to win the Big Ten West, and others are picking them to finish sixth. So mm-hmm. it's the hardest team in the Big Ten West to, to read this year. Uh, a lot of people think they, you know, over um, exceeded their expectations last year, and they're going to come back to earth a little bit. Um, the Iowa game is interesting because I think there could be, a again, if, if we're, you know, get to seven, eight, maybe nine wins, um, that Iowa game would be a, a big deal. And we are the lead in, I believe, the U.S. versus England World Cup game. So a lot of people are watching sports that day. So <laughs> cool. Yeah, I don't think there's a great difference between those games at Iowa and Purdue. Um, those are tough. But I, I just put Michigan ahead, far ahead. As Michigan, to me, looks like a – uh, they're they're going to win 10 no matter what, I think. I was looking at their schedule the other day, and I think so they'll be playing for a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a 3.30, 2.30, whatever type game. You know, it gets dark fast, and it's that place is daunting. Yeah. You know, I, I, that, I'd, almost, I'd almost say that the toughest game for them on that – I mean, yeah, obviously Michigan's the obvious answer, but – I would almost go to say the Northwestern game because there's going to be so much pressure on them to not come out and shit the bed. And, you (laughs) know, and, you know, they're going to get out there and they're going to be just thinking not not to make mistakes, not to punt the ball to the wrong side of the field, not not to miss field goals. But I'm I'm making a serious point. I'm not making a, I'm not trying to be joking here, but I think that that's just sounds like there's a lot of pressure on. Yeah, it does. But there's a lot of pressure on them to win that game. And if they win that game, then, I think there's going to be a lot of good things. I think it's a really great point. And, and Sip, you actually mentioned this on your radio show today is that, 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 that's really up to Frost and his coaching staff to, to not, I mean, it's all business. Yeah. But if they get, they're overthinking this and let Northwestern kind of win the head game and let Fitzgerald come in and say like, Hey, we're loosey goosey because we got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And Hey, we lost by 50 points last year. And they're just going to go out and play. And Nebraska's all wound up as tight as they were versus Illinois. And Honky, Mack, and Rob were there. And they were wound up tight. This coaching staff's got to figure this out in game one and get them to play at a, at a good, mm-hmm. consistent level. Yeah, that whole picture, you know, it's it's somewhat concerning. I mean, the Northwestern, will, they've talked about it. Fitzgerald has talked about it. We're going to have fun on this trip. They don't, have, they don't have a coach whose back is against the wall. There's not the conversation. There's much different. They're talking about going in there and having fun, but think about their psychological state of mind compared to Nebraska's. We're going to go have fun, but also we have mm-hmm. revenge on our minds. Um, they know they, they remember 56 to seven. So I don't like the idea of them coming in there with bounce um, playing a little loose in Nebraska, having that, this specter 
you know, that, that that's, that's unfortunately or, or fortunately maybe that accompanies this season. I hope Nebraska's players don't feed into sort of the outside, the outside narrative. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't. It's probably beneficial that you have a bunch of new guys, new players, mm-hmm. new coaches, because um, mm-hmm. there, sh- there shouldn't. I hope they don't feel that because if they do, and it's a close game late, I, the advantage that would switch to Northwestern, I think, because one team's not one team could be playing pretty tight in that scenario. Yeah, well, I, I'll say this about the first game, and Whipple made this statement a week or so back in a press conference where he goes the first games are more often lost than they're won. Yeah. And they're lost because you've made the mistake, which, I mean, that's the Illinois game blueprint from last year all over. But I just want to show this clip uh, clip here real quick of Frost when he was asked about special teams, asked about the kickers the other day. And at least from being uptight, I'm seeing a smile when he talks about his punter and kicker here. I feel great about kicker and punter right now, uh, which puts a smile on my face to say. Um, and I think we've got several that can do it. And have been doing really well in camp. So uh, again, it's different when the lights are on in a soccer stadium. But uh, what I've seen from them, we're going to be vastly improved. And uh, having Bill Bush in that role full time, where he can actually coach, is making a difference too. Just having everybody on the same page and, and getting work at those things. So uh, it's no secret we need to needed to make a lot of improvement in the special teams area, and, and hopefully we have. Smartest things a guy told me over there, one of the coaches, was that think about it. We talk about Nebraska, their inability to win close games. And think about the three principles or three of the principles involved in that. It was Adrian um, Martinez, who I've defended. I've defended all the time, but he wasn't great in the clutch. And you had a kicker in Connor Colt that was six for 12 and missed four extra points. And and the, and, the, and the punting game, I mean, come on. Um, now, all all those three guys are, are going to be different. Um, so that I think that there's some hope in that, just that that part of the conversation, new quarterback, new kicker, new punter. And that that could mean that could mean a lot in, in that close game conversation. They think it will. I mean, they I know they think it will. I mean, come on. The kick, the kicking game killed, killed them. I mean, yeah. just killed them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sip, you've been awesome with your time here. Um, Dave, we probably should get into parting shots here then and have Sip be the last one. So absolutely. Let's, uh, let's start with Redcast Boomer. Well, uh, a couple things. Uh, first off, I wanted to give a, a quick shout out to, uh, uh, associate athletic director, friend, Tyler Kai of, uh, University of Nebraska. He was walking through the uh, wrestling unit the other day and uh, found that picture. So I think all loyal Redcasters are familiar with uh, Jim Rashke. He's slowly inching his way into the consciousness of the greater university, and sooner or later we will induct the Baron into the Hall of Fame. Just a matter of time. Stick with it. Induct the Baron. Sip, if you, can, if, you, if you can help us at all to get <laughs> Baron Von Rashke inducted yeah. into the Wrestling Hall of Fame, please do. For the Nebraska yeah. Sports Hall of Fame here at the yeah, university. Yeah, We've been working on that for years. Yeah, thanks yeah. for mentioning that. And then uh, finally, I know uh, everyone was uh, hanging on the edge of their seat, the results of the uh, poll from last week with uh, Weather Honky and 
Aaron Sorensen and Rob would be getting back together for a little uh, Star Wars and Funko Pop talk. And you'll be happy to know the yeses uh, won overwhelmingly at 55.1% to 44.9%. So people don't hate fun, our listeners. So we'll work on arranging that maybe during an off week or something. So that'll happen in the future, folks. So yay, democracy. I had never even heard. I I didn't know what a Funko Pop was before. I still don't know. I still don't really know. Anyways. That makes sense why I didn't understand anything Boomer just said. <laughs> That's right. I didn't, not <laughs> Still one, don't. I couldn't follow it at all. Like, all right, Rick, guess Rob. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would just like to let listener Ken know in the comments, I am not high all the time. Um, <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I've been stone cold sober since the spring game. Um, so thank, thank, thank you. Thank you, Ken, for that for that shout out you know my parents do watch this so yeah i i appreciate it. i'm a 48 year old man and still afraid of my mom uh and also sip thanks for coming on once again i mean geez from aaron Sorensen to you and then you know now we've got some great people coming on this week as well for a couple of our uh fan forum shows um i think dr rob is coming on and um robbie's coming on as well so i mean god the lineup is just star-studded and and we love having you here man thank you so much thank you that you do got good guests coming so i I really i'm honored to be a part of that well hopefully you'll be texting them while they're on this show and they'll be like (laughs) oh i just just got a secret text from a uh somebody in media that i can't say their name was that obnoxious? I, I can be. No, that was great. No, no it was fantastic. No. Thank you. Just knowing that former players may be listening or watching us while we're doing this live is fantastic. We have yeah. we had more people watching the show live tonight than we've ever had on any show before. I should put. Oh, that don't say that. That's went, no, seriously, we had eighty-five people at one point watching oh, wow. the show live while we were doing it. And we probably have close to two hundred comments. So. Seriously, Sip, you're a star, man. That's great. Thanks. For oh, I'm that. a star. That's that's, <laughs> that's all. You're the guy. <laughs> yeah thanks guys uh mac um again i want to apologize for being late that was uh all right mac what do you got for me oh <laughs> <laughs> i think dave might be having I think some the matrix just glitched anyway i'm, I'm not going to apologize twice <laughs> but, uh, hey we're in the fun kind of part of the season right now folks and for all this kind of skeptics kind of like how i was like you're going to have to prove it to me first before I like anything you say. I've heard enough good things <laughs> yeah. that I think it's okay to start letting in a little ray of sunshine. We, we, yeah. we only have to catch just a little bit of fire for this to go the right way. <laughs> Mag is back. <laughs> Dave is kind of going in and out here, so I'll, I'll use my parting shots here. And I, I, of course, I have a few, but uh, three of them. One of them, I threw out this rank your top three Husker logos from this list. I'm just curious, Sip, oh. if you look at these eight Husker logos, okay. two and five, okay. give me your give me your top three out of these eight. Okay, I can do this. The top three. God, these are <laughs> not to put you on the on the spot, but no, it's fine. I. I don't, I always, I always come across as such an old, um, <laughs> eight, one, two, eight, eight one, yeah. two. Yeah. I like that helmet. I do like that helmet. Two, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. But that, I, I mean, really to me, it's eight, one, two, three. And then I, I can do without any of the other ones. Eight, one, two, and three. Interesting. All right. Um, second off, uh, Husker volleyball ranked number one in the preseason oh, AVCA nice. uh, poll. So, uh, yeah, congrats there and, and well-deserved and hopefully they can stay up there. And last but not least, this was just a, a tweet and this is good in general as we get into the season. 
there's, there was a tweet the other day and it was two uh, fans of Panther of all things. They were at a fan fest and they looked like they were going to get into a fight. Then Panther star wide receiver, DJ Moore steps in and he calms the situation down to break things up, respect the DJ. And he jumps up there. And I would just say this to fans in general. This is, we're fans, we're fanatics, we get crazy, we get upset and frustrated and want to yell at things, but sometimes it is a good thing to take a step back. And and that tweet there, it was if you watch the video in particular, I mean, to see a guy just come up and it's like, you're at a fan fest, just <laughs> set, settle down. We all get worked up. People get worked up on Twitter and everything, but uh, people get worked up for anything. My, my, my son at school has a shirt that says hashtag be nice. So I don't know, maybe just be nice. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's how I, I like that sentiment, and I've I've wrestled with that over the years. But Ron Brown, of all people, a few years ago, said something that, was, that stuck with me about the way things have gone here, and that he he was very adamant that the fans have a right to voice their disapproval. They're inve- you guys are invested, you're, you're sure. heavily invested in this, um, and there and that and that does give you a right to to voice disapproval. Mm-hmm. And I and I sometimes have to remind myself, sometimes I'm a little taken aback by the level of vitriol. Um, I am. I, I guess, like I said, I'm kind of kind of a snowflake in some ways. And <laughs> I, I think this stuff is fun, but I got to remind myself of what I do remind myself of what Ron said. Um, there's nothing wrong with voicing disapproval. There's been a lot to voice. So that but, mm-hmm. but I would say my part in the shot is that, but also I, I think they're doing a good job over there. I, I, I think we'll see what happens again. It's going to be a lot of, you're going to have to win close games. We'll see where that goes. That's the question. Amen. All right. Amen. So honky, thanks for covering me uh, while I had some internet issues. I think I'm, I'm back. Oh, um, can I jump in before somebody. No, no, no. It was me. It was all, all my fault, Sip. It's okay. okay. God bless. We're all good. Dave, live from his basement. Yeah, yeah you, right. sound, you sound That's like right. you're like in a in a the international space I had station. To switch. But... <laughs> I had to switch. So uh, yeah. we have landed on the moon. <laughs> kind, of, kind of float, Dave. <laughs> Seriously, simple, oh. simple. Thank you so much, though. I mean, you you spent a lot more time here today tonight, and I mean, oh, you guys awesome. more than I did actually. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gassed up yesterday. So. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, um, I appreciate. I really do. This is you guys are fun. You ask good questions, and it goes really fast. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, Thank go you. for it, Dave. All right. All right. Uh, well, thanks, uh, Sip, for coming on the show. And for now, let's call that a go big red cast. Go big red. Well, that's it, my babies. Looks like our glasses run dry. I hope that Hip Sip with Steven Zipple got you buzzing. Be sure to consume the Go Big Red cast responsibly. And until next time, stay hip and funky. A Hoda Media Production.